Oh yeah. I remember trying to call a call card so I could call long distance. So like fifteen numbers. Hilarious. Remember the days of calling cards and stuff. Mike and Dennis and I took the uh, iconic post uh, high school road trip uh, in '97, and uh, I just met Cynthia. So, in order to keep in touch with her while I was gone, I had like one of those prepaid phone cards, you know, so I could like use the phone at the hotel. To call her and be like, oh, I miss you. <laughs> and you get like this little beep that you're about to run out of time. Yeah. And so, you know, like trying to steer it around to like actually wrapping up the conversation, you know, kind of like like Ethan Hunt, like hitting the, like diffusing the bomb when the clock is on 01, you know, I'm like trying to like time it where you be like, I love you, bye, right then. And it ends up cutting her off in mid-sentence, and I was just, oh, she's going to hate me forever. Ah. So. Okay, well, anyway, God, we just are grateful to be in this place. We are grateful for your love to us and for how you have kept us down through the years, Jesus, and how you, you've called us. God, with this holy calling, God, how you've brought us to this place. Um, God, we appreciate it. And God, what we pray this morning, God, is that you would give us nothing but your truth. God, what we want is for you to, to minister to our souls. God, to, to feed us with this holy word, prepared with the fire of the Holy Ghost. God, that, that you would teach us with these things. As only you can do, God. We we want to uh, go away from this place, uh, having uh, known that we've heard from you today. God, we pray it and ask it in your righteous name. Amen. Amen. Uh, go with me to Second Timothy. So, uh, Justin sent me a link to this really really great. Um, Sermon that Mark Rutland did, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to copy it by any stretch. But uh, so I've had a, like such a great time the last week or so listening to sermon after sermon of his. Um, and I don't know something he said when he was praying really I thought was really cool because he's doing these three sermons in a row. Uh, like. Now, of course, the vision of the, of the sun that we've all heard of. I still have yet to listen to that one, but he talks about you know the, this vision of the Father and this vision of the Holy Ghost, and, and he's like frustrated because he's doing them out of order. But he felt like God wanted him to talk about the Holy Ghost on the second day rather than the third. Which he's talking about how ordered he is and how much that bothered him to do them out of order, which I could totally identify with. But I don't know. It really struck me while he was praying. He said that. You know, no one else is going to care that I put these out of order. No one else is even going to remember that I said that I was going to do them in any particular order. Um, but it bothers me. But God, what I what I want is for us to go away from this place, to look on one another and say, "Surely today we've heard from God." 
I thought, wow, that's that's absolutely what we want every time we get together. You know, I, I always tell the old folks at uh, Pioneer Ridge, you know, it's like if you've come to just hear what I have to say, then I am truly sorry. <laughs> it's like that's really not going to be of any value to anybody. So what we want is to have God talk to us today. Um, so, so yesterday I was reading in Second Timothy. Uh, in chapter 3. And you guys all know this uh, chapter. It's a really familiar uh, portion. It says, This know also in the last days that perilous times shall come. Not not to me, says the, the modern church. It's like, I'll, I'll be out of here before anything gets perilous. It's like, I've, you know, in, in, any second now, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of. There's this book. I've I've never read it, obviously, but I've seen it in the, at the bookstores and whatever. It's like he's gonna toot and I'm gonna scoot. You know that whole, yeah, right. It's like this whole thing about the sound of the last trump and we're all gonna be out of here and stuff. And it's like, okay. But you know, the the church has that kind of thought. It's like, oh, well, nothing perilous is going to come to me. Uh, yet the funny thing is, when you think of the context of Second Timothy, this is the last thing that Paul wrote. This is this this passing of the baton almost to, to Timothy and uh, and encouraging him uh, to to do the things that that he's learned to do, the things that God's put in his life. Um, so obviously, he's writing this from prison. You know, on, on death row, you might say. And um, so one, one could probably infer from that that Paul is indeed experiencing a perilous time. Uh, but it's interesting because he goes on to talk about uh, peril in a way that is not so much what we might think. He says, "This know in the last days, perilous times shall come." For so he's he's connecting these these statements. He's expounding on what he just said. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud. So kind of up to this point, we're we're kind of like describing the uh, the, the virtues of the the American citizen, aren't we? This is kind of what we're. This is this is what we grow up being taught. This is what you should be, you know. You know, uh, got to look out for number one. And you know, he who dies with the most toys wins, and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, uh, if you've ever listened to what's popular in music or what passes for music nowadays, uh, there's certainly plenty of boasting there. <coughs> But he says, "Lovers of men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy." Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of a classic thing that you know you become a teenager and you hit this rebellious phase. Um, uh, the funny thing was, uh, was I kind of hit this sense of rebellion 
right after I got born again because I didn't really have anybody that just told me it's like hey you know you you got to you got to listen to the word of god here and and uh you know honor your parents uh because I had this idea that because my parents were heathen I didn't have to listen to them I didn't have to obey them I didn't have to honor them because after all they're not christians I am holier than they are you know but that's not at all what he's talking about here that's not at all what the word of god teaches so I got a little older and kind of looked back on that with that Kind of, oops, kind of thought. But we don't think of that so much as being a perilous thing. But he, he's, he's got this in this place of perilous times. Disobedient to parents. You know, it's funny because when I got older, and I, as cliche as this sounds, I, I got to be an adult and I realized that my parents actually did know quite a bit of stuff. You know, and that... Uh, they actually did, in fact, know better than 16-year-old me. Uh, that was that came as quite the shock to me when I realized that when I was in my 20s. So, I don't know, maybe getting married young kind of helped speed up the process a bit because I wasn't too far into my 20s when I realized, wow, it's like, man, paying your bills, doing all this stuff, like they actually knew what they were talking about. But he says, uh, unthankful. And, boy, that's interesting. Unthankful. That there's, uh, I don't know about you, but to me there are a few things more upsetting than having somebody that's unthankful when you've done something for them or given them something. We have this one guy at work that I just, I, I think he's great, but he's so selfish and unthankful. He is the second uh, second highest paid guy at our company, besides Mike and I, obviously. But um, he, uh, you know, we've given him everything he's asked for, and we told everybody you're getting your Christmas bonus. We were running a bit late with it. He puts out on the company group text. So, are we getting our Christmas bonus or what? Like in this text that everybody in the company gets. So. You know, of course, uh, we dealt with that privately from there. But, uh, you know, that sense of being unthankful, it's like, you know, you put the put the money in their checking account and you're like, you're welcome, I think. You know, but, uh, you know, but he says, but, you know, unthankful. Now, and, and how often does it, do you think that happens with God? You know, he... Uh, you know, he he does things that we don't even know he did because he just takes care of stuff. And he he puts us in this place where there's our, we live at this level of blessing that most of the children of God in the in the world would uh envy. And and yet if we somehow have less than like, well, you know, this you know, my car is a little beat up and uh, or you know, a little high mileage or whatever, and you know. Meanwhile, you've got you know the brother in Africa that hopes someday to have a bike, and it's like, wow, we're so spoiled, you know. But so, so you know, uh, being unthankful is uh, you know he lists this under this list of things that is perilous. 
unholy, uh, without natural affection. <laughs> and, and you can see that uh, all around us in our society. I think you don't have to look any further than an abortion clinic to see that, that our society has become without natural affection. Truce breakers. This is an interesting one. Uh, actually, you could probably more accurately translate this as truceless. And, uh, and it literally means without libation, which is kind of odd because uh, it's like making a deal, making a truce, and then you share a drink. And, uh, you know, you see that in business all the time. You make a deal, you have a drink. Not in our business, but... Um, yay, he's right. That's right. We're not that kind of business. So, have too many drinks before you make the deal, you might make a bad deal. But anyway, uh, so he said, but um, the uh, uh, the Youngs uses the word uh, uh, implacable, which I had to look that word up because I didn't know what it meant. And, uh, and it means unappeasable. Uh, inflexible, unforgiving, uh, unable to be placated, and uh, you know you see that all around us. Uh, you know, if uh, I, I was sit pulling up to this stoplight um, over at 19th and Mass the other day, it's Friday afternoon. I'm on my way home. I'm on the phone and I'm driving along, and the stoplight is backed like clear up to this the next street. And uh, as I'm I'm going to come to a stop in the middle of this intersection, but it's a side street, no big deal. This lady just comes right through there. She's like, I'm just going to push her, and then she smiles and waves at me. While she's just squeezing on in there, it's like she just kind of assumed that I wasn't going to run into her. And I was tempted, I confess. thought that would have been amusing, but I did. I wanted to go home when it was cold out. So, um, plus that's just a bad idea. But I, I felt rather implacable for a moment or two. I thought, I don't know, you, you, you want to see... See resurrection morning, just you know, have somebody cut me off or whatever. <sighs> so, so truceless, without libation, implacable, uh, false accusers, uh, incontinent, and uh, that's an interesting choice of words, incontinent, because we all know what that means medically. Um, so. So incontinent, you can't hold it in. You have some emotional impulse and you just, you can't hold it in. You, some really clever, snarky comeback comes to you, you can't hold it in. You just say it. You know, uh, you know, uh, I think some people call that diarrhea of the mouth. Uh, incontinent, fierce, and... See plenty of that all around us. People that are that are fierce. It's like, don't mess with me, you know. And 
or or somebody that, that's unhappy about something, and you know they don't come they don't come and talk about it like, hey, we need to get this handled. It's more more like fierce. I was feeling rather fierce when Cynthia drove Levi all the way to downtown Kansas City to Children's Mercy and found out that they didn't have him on the schedule at all and had, didn't have a bed for him. I was feeling rather implacable and rather fierce, and I was it was probably a good thing that I wasn't there. But uh, Cynthia, being the shining example of Christianity that she is, politely but firmly told them that we're going to figure this out while I'm standing here right now because I'm not doing this again. So that's far better than what would have happened had I been there. Fierce, uh, despisers of those that are good. There's plenty of that. Plenty of that. You have a a president that announces he's a Christian and all of a sudden uh, everything in the kitchen sink gets thrown at him. And I can't, I don't, I'm not uh, necessarily a a student of politics and history and stuff, but I don't know of any other presidents, certainly none in my lifetime, that everybody made such a big deal about them being unintelligent. You know, or, or or anything like that. I mean, I suppose they they picked on Bill Clinton for not being too smart, but I you know I suppose it may have been because he was from Arkansas. God help me. But um, but I can't think of anybody else that got so maligned for you know because he would just speak off the cuff and with honesty, and you know when you just. If you talk like that, you're going to stumble over your words from time to time. And uh, and because people were despisers of that which was good, they couldn't let it lie. Uh, traitors, heady, high-minded, or lofty. Uh, <laughs> if you want to you talk about lofty, just you know, go talk to somebody super well-educated in Lawrence. About anything, and and you'll find out what lofty is, yeah. or 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 uh, point out to somebody uh, that uh, that their their behavior is uh, contrary to the word of God, and find out how lofty they suddenly become, and and how lowly you suddenly become. Uh, high-minded, lofty. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. So, you know, you can read down through this stuff, and it's like, yeah, yeah, that is everywhere in the world. It's all around me. I can see it everywhere. And that's true. But here he's just, he's still not done with the list in verse 5. And he says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So you, this, he's talking about this stuff isn't just in society. This is in the church. And you look back through this with that mindset. It's like, how could those things be in the church? How could the church have anybody in it that's implacable? That's in for, unforgiving and inflexible? You know, How could the church have anybody in it that's unthankful? You know, how, how could we be in, unthankful for anything? When, when God has just poured out on us and poured out on us. But, but he's talking about these things being in the church. But he says here in verse 5, 
Uh, and you, you could, uh, without doing any violence to it, saying having the appearance of piety, but refusing the power of it. Refusing the strength of it. Um, so it's easy to appear pious. It's easy to, you know, if, especially if you if you grow up in church, it's easy to do the right thing and say the right thing at the right time. It's like, you know, you, you get to be like a trained animal, you know, and it's like uh, you, you learn when to say amen at the proper pauses and, and nod when the preacher makes eye contact with you and and all that stuff, and and you know, say the right things when your when your parents want you to, and you clasp your hands and, and do this and stuff at the table, but but it's just an appearance. It's an appearance of piety, because then you get in the car with your friends and you know, light up your cigarette, and you're like, God, my parents are so obnoxious, you know, and and off you go, and 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 you know, cuss like a sailor until the the. Uh, the interior of the car is curling in on itself, and, yeah. and, and a, a form of piety, this appearance of godliness, but but not the real thing. Denying the power thereof, and this and you know, denying is a good word because it's like, nah, I, you know, I, I don't believe in that, or I don't accept that, but refusing it, it's like, nah, it's like actually, I kind of like things the way they are. I, I like to do things my own way. Um, it's actually kind of uncomfortable for Precious to actually have have God point out stuff and, and make me toe the line. Because we don't toe the line in the church, right? We have grace. It's like, I don't have to toe no lines. Yeah, if you've ever had... Uh, You've ever had a boss say that was not not pleased with your performance? Uh, they will have a line for you to tow. You know, if uh, you know, if, if your parents made you mind and follow the rules, you had a line to tow. And and so, in the church, we've lost that idea that God has a line for us to tow. And so. Uh, this is one of those passages that's like a mirror, because you should look in this passage and hopefully not see yourself in there. But but if you do, it's not the end of the world, because of course God can fix it, but He can't fix it until you see that it's there and you want Him to fix it. But you know the other great thing about you know I just I love I have to point this out because I love words and and on all that when he says denying the power thereof of course this is dunamis power this is where we get the word dynamite from this is this is a strength power this is uh, this is might versus versus authority this is might and so uh, authority power is awesome. Um, but the uh, uh, the policeman uh, hiding behind the billboard with his radar gun—that's that's authority power, you know—and he's going to stop you. Uh, if you're driving too fast and you hit something and total your car, 
That's more like might. So there's power that's stopping you, but it it comes at you in an entirely different way. And maybe that's not the best example, but um, there's this sense of of power that God has, this strength that He has to change these things, and that's what He's talking about here. That 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 they either deny or refuse that power in their own life. Because you can look in the Word of God. What James said was that you could look in the Word of God and you could turn away and totally forget what manner of man you were. You can forget what you saw and uh, and go on your way. Uh, I've, I've had that happen to me in real life, like in everyday stuff. Like I... You know, you get this new outfit. It's like you put it on. Man, it's looking good. You feel good. You're like, you know, you can hear like staying alive, playing while you're walking down the street, you know. And then you walk by a mirror and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what I look like. You know, and it's like, it's like I forgot what manner of man I was. But um, but he says, uh, but it, so he's talking about all these, finding all these things in the church. And he started out saying that these are, perilous times. So, you know, I don't know, when I read this, like the first thing I think of is is that idea of like, well, perilous times aren't coming to me cuz we're going to be out of here. And of course we know that's not true, but that's what uh that's what a great deal of the church thinks. But then he talks about all this stuff being in the church. And how would this stuff be in the church if God is on the throne in the individual? So he says in verse 6, uh, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. And I love the King James, diverse lusts. Uh, uh, the youngest says, uh, silly women laden with sins, led away with manifold desires. Which I think fits the bill a little better for what we're, saying, we're talking about here in this chapter. Because... You can have all kinds of stuff that you want, you know, manifold, you know. When I when I hear manifold, I think of like something on a car that I don't know what it is. <laughs> but but honestly, it's many fold, many many different things all all bundled up together, manifold desires. And so, if you have these manifold desires that are not under the subjection to the Spirit of God, then these these people with the appearance of piety can drag you away to all of your manifold desires because they, they will twist around the Word of God and tell you why it's okay for you to do that. And and if and if there's not somebody with skin on that'll do it, then the devil certainly will. And and, and he'll start throwing scriptures at you right and left and until you figure out, oh, okay, I could do that. But he says, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, like we've been talking for the last month, uh, information versus revelation. Uh, you can you can hear it, and you can recite it, but if if it's not taking root in you and changing you from the inside out, if it's not an experiential thing. That's that's happening in your life. Excuse me. Then you're missing out. 
Now he says, now as Jannies and Jambres have withstood Moses. I love how it actually finally tells you these guys' names here. Because, you know, you're reading along. Like, the first time I read this, I'm like, who? Who are these guys? I'm like flipping around looking. And he's referring to the um, the um, the wise men or whatever you call them. I forget exactly what they call them now in Exodus that were Pharaoh's little sorcerer guys that do all the stuff. If you've ever seen that Prince of Egypt cartoon, it was the skinny guy and the fat guy. <laughs> but uh, it says, now as they withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate, reprobate concerning the faith. Um, you know, in here in Timothy, Second Timothy, in uh, in verse two fifteen, he says, "Study to show yourself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." And and I like that word "approved" it means acceptable. And uh, um, and actually, when you dig into that verse, uh, um, it's not even so much the word doesn't seem to even be saying so much study the word of God as be diligent to present yourself acceptable to God. But how else would you do that than getting in the Word and, and finding out what it is He expects and having that fellowship with Him? But so this word, so that word is acceptable then to find to be acceptable to God. So over here in in verse uh, eight of chapter three, this is that same word again, except for it's unapproved. And so, so you could be unapproved concerning the faith by doing these things that he's talking about. He says, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest to all men as theirs also was. You know, the, the church does so many, has let so many things in because there's no fear of God. And... Uh, and as that, that fear of God has receded, the, uh, the character of our society has just invaded the church and infected it. And uh, so, um, you know, but he says here that, uh, um, you know, that, that God will, make, will bring all that stuff to light. And if you don't fear God, then that's it's like, okay, well, whatever. But, you know, if, if you fear God... Then there's the sense of man, I've got this thing, and I can, you know, you don't, you don't just look in the mirror and walk away and forget what manner of man you were. If if you fear God, it's like, oh, let's let's get that taken care of. We need to get rid of that thing because I don't want him showing up with me having that there. Um, um, you know, if you're if you're breaking the rules, the last thing you want is for your dad to show up and be like. What you doing? You know, and uh, there really were no rules at my house growing up, hardly. So that didn't really happen to me. But you know, it happens at my house occasionally. Just walk in. What you doing? Nothing. No, they're good kids. They stay out of trouble. Uh, so, um, but I like this because now Paul kind of turns away from this stuff and he starts contrasting it with the things that God's done in Timothy's life. And he says, But you have fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Um, 
And uh, and he says that you followed after. Not 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 so much that fully known is good, because of course he's seen the things that that he's done, that Paul's done in his life. They said that you you have been a diligent follower of my life, of the things that I did, because of course Paul was that was an example to him. Um, you know, and doctrine is an interesting word because um, know, to me doctrine is almost like a little like red flag word. It's like, oh, that's something bad, you know, and and literally it just means teaching, you know. And so, of course, you have good doctrines and you have bad doctrines. You have true doctrines, you have false doctrines. So he's like, he says, you have been a diligent follower of my teaching and my manner of life, purpose, and faith, long suffering, love, patience, persecutions. Afflictions which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, and what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I wonder what some churches do with that. You know, I can't imagine. It's like, you know, nothing bad's going to happen, you know. Like it's a cakewalk here and pie in the sky when you die, you know, and. What do you do with all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? Like, you know, and, you know, I mean, we have it pretty easy here. You know, we were listening to uh, a sermon on the way here this morning. And uh, he was uh, talking about this pastor from uh, Chile. And how these these men came into the church in the middle of a service. And they demanded that this guy stop preaching and, and talking about Jesus. And he refused. And while this gang of men was like holding the congregation at gunpoint, they cut this guy's arm off because he wouldn't stop. He, he told them he would uh, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And... Uh, and he said that God just touched the guy. I mean, obviously he was bleeding, but God just touched him because he didn't just bleed out right there. And and so they, they put this ultimatum to him again. And he still refused, and they cut off his other arm. And eventually they cut off both of his legs because he still wouldn't. And they said, now, so are you going to stop preaching in the name of Jesus or no? And he said, no. No, he's like, I promise you I will preach in the name of Jesus. And so they cut out his tongue. And then they let, and they let him live then like that because of course humanity is that cruel. And so this guy had um, I don't even know how this would work, but he had this little wooden cart thing that somebody made for him and what the little stubs that were left of his arms and legs he would he would push himself along with this little thing and he would have these little tracks with him and he would go out to the street corners in Santiago and and he would bump people with his head until they would stop to, and and see what he wanted and and he would pick up this gospel tract but he couldn't say anything to them he couldn't hand it to them he would just 
try and get him to take it. And just, hmm. Because that was really all he could do. And I thought, wow. We have it so easy. About the worst thing that's going to happen to you around here, probably, at least for now, somebody might look at you funny or call you a name. You know? Somebody might key your car. But, uh, so I don't know what the church does with that. You know, I don't know what a lot of the church world does with that. Yet all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, su- shall suffer persecution. He says, evil men and women, or evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know, it's, I know there are, you know, and I really think that this is, that the people who are out to deceive people in the church, I think, are kind of still the exception. At least I'd like to think so, rather than the rule. But he says here that they'll wax worse and worse. So there'll be more and more of them. And deceiving and being deceived. You know, one of the things, obviously this was 500 years ago, but one of the things that really troubled Martin Luther was when they did these services, of course they were all in Latin, and the common people didn't speak Latin, they spoke German, where he was at, and this priest is doing communion with these people. And, you know, of course, they're supposed to say, you know, body of Christ, blah, 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 hand it to them. And, and this priest, knowing that it's a farce, that it's meaningless, and that it's nothing, and with no fear of God, says, bread thou art, bread thou shalt remain, and hands it to this person. And he's like, what? And so, so obviously, you know, this, this is when the church is still in its infancy, and then here you go all these centuries later he's he's talking about these things about these evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse and there's something about about false doctrine that's seductive it's like you know it's like oh you'd want to believe this wouldn't you like wouldn't it be so much easier to believe that before anything gets too tough you'd just be out of here wouldn't it be much more comfortable to believe that God wants you to have a, a Lincoln navigator and, and live in a gated community like, well, sure, it sounds nice, but but what is that compared to the love of God, knowing that He loves me, and and that that all is right with Him and me? You know, um, you know, I, I've been I've been I've scraped the bottom of the scrapings of the barrel before. You know, just you know, been in that place of I'm not sure where my next dollar is even coming from. Um, you know, looking through the house for change to buy something. Um, and and having no idea what I was going to do after that. I've, I've been there. Um, and obviously I'm not there now. And I would rather be there digging in the couch cushions for change and know that that all is right between me and God than to have, you know, this great successful business and, you know, money coming out my ears and then and and have God be unhappy with me. God be unsatisfied with the way that I was living. Uh so I can you know, this idea of of the this these seductive things that would that you would uh that would pull you away from that is is a really sad thing. And he says 
It's already 10.30. You guys are missing out on your donut time. There are no donuts. Verse 14, but continue thou, I'm almost done, continue thou in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned them. Uh, that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So, so he points him back to the Word of God and where he's learned it from. He learned it from Paul, of course, but he learned it from the Holy Ghost. Um, you know, the, and of course, we understand that the Holy Ghost is the teacher, that you need the Holy Ghost to teach you the Word. Um, and of course, you need a ministry to uh, be those guardrails as you're learning the voice of God and as you're learning the Word of God uh, because there's a lot of voices out there. And there's, uh, you know, sometimes somebody will be like, well, I think it means this. And, you know, you, you kind of mull that around for a while and before you know it, it becomes gospel in your mind and you don't remember where you learned it from. So having a, a ministry that teaches you the right thing is, is really a blessing. But he, he's telling him the, the way to stay out of all this stuff, to avoid all this error, is because you've known the Holy Scriptures from a child and is able to make you wise unto salvation. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And this is one of those passages which is really great to uh, read in the Youngs. Um, uh, he says, all Scripture is God-breathed. You know, which is way cooler. <laughs> it, you know, given by inspiration of God, that sounds good. I like it. But it's god Breathed. It's like this is the very voice of God. Uh, the Darby says divinely inspired. That has a still has a nicer ring to it, I think. But but God breathed, and is profitable for teaching, uh, for reproof, for setting a right. The young says, I like that because we think of correction as such a terrifying thing, and he, and he just says it as for setting a right because. Uh, you know, I have a little Bluetooth player on my desk at work, and there's this one little spot where it goes because I've got this little plasticky thing where all the cords come up through my desk, and there's just enough space for it there. And everything is all square because if it's not a right angle, it's a wrong angle. If that thing gets moved, then I have to set it right, you know, because it's it's not right otherwise. You know, everything in its place. Place for everything, everything in its place. We've been going, we've been talking about that at my house. There's, there's something about life that is incompatible with tidiness, at least, at least in, in my experience. And we have this great little box. It's like a knick-knacky catch-all stuff that needs to go back upstairs box. By, and it's it's by the stairs on this little table, and it's, it's cute and everything, and it says, um, pardon the mess, my children are making memories. And so it's, it's a good perspective because, you know, life ruins the ambiance at Grandpa Greg's house. So I just, I don't 
I don't know. That to me, there is nothing better than like you come downstairs in the morning. Everything is pristine, quiet. Everything is exactly where it should be. Straight lines. You know, ninety degree, ninety degree angles everywhere. Not a speck of dust. You know that. That to me, that is living. But, but then again, just relaxing and enjoying the people in your house. And, you know, the fact that this is actually your life, your, how tidy your house is, is really no reflection on anything, is way better. So, but anyway, okay, I was asking myself how I got there. Is the setting my Bluetooth player right? Okay. But, but corrections like that, just setting it right. Uh, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times it uses the word teleos for perfect, which means perfect, complete, entire. This is actually a different word uh, that's very similar, uh, but it means fresh or like now. Th- this is the same word it uses in the next uh, chapter, I believe, or it's very similar. Uh, no, okay, it's not the same word. It's similar to the word that he uses when, in the next chapter when he tells Timothy to be instant in season and out of season. It's a similar sort of word to that. Um, but So the word of God keeps you fresh then. Nobody likes weak old bread. You know, bread. When is bread best? Right when it came out of the oven, right? When you can barely touch it. You put the butter in it and just that you know cookies are like that. I could care less about cookies most of the time, but if it just came out of the oven, I'm like, yeah, I'll have one. Then once it's you know cooled off, never mind. So so then so the whole word of God is God breathed that the man of God may be fresh and now and current by how by staying in it by by getting in it and hearing what God has to say because if the word is God breathed then unless he stopped breathing he's still breathing right and so if he's still breathing then it's still current and he's still talking and so we want to hear what he has to say today and thoroughly furnished unto all good works and, uh, you know, we, I don't know, we think of works as a nasty word too. But, you know, this word means labor or employment, which I think is a great thing. And so if, so God has something for all of us to do. And, and so yet another purpose he lists for the word of God then, to do what he wants us to do, to be thoroughly furnished. That's a great, great way to say it to have everything you need to do the job that God wants you to do. Nothing makes Mike and I want to tear our hair out more than when our guys show up to a job without what they need to do their job. We give them like a little checklist where I've highlighted everything they're going to need that they're supposed to look at before they ever go there because they need to have everything that they're going to need, right? So you have a job to do then. And you want to you find out what that is. Of course, and it's 
not just a one and done, find out what it is, but you want to seek God. What is it you want me to do? So now what? Now what do you want me to do? But but this is your toolbox, right? And it's all in here. Everything that you need, your instructions, your tools, everything is is here in this word because it's been breathed by God to you for that very purpose. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word to us. And God, we we want to be thoroughly furnished unto good works. And with the 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 breath of God breathing that word into our souls day after day. God, we don't want the the dust to accumulate on our souls, God, of of all of these these things from the perilous times that, that you talked about. God, we don't want the the the, the fierceness and the incontinence and the truce breaking and um, having a form of godliness but denying the power of it. God, we don't want that kind of dust to collect on our souls, God. And if it has, God, breathe on, breathe on us, blow it away with that that God breathed word of God, as only you can do. God, in each one of us, God, what we are asking you for, God, is that you would do the very thing that your word is proclaimed. God, that you would bring us successfully to the very thing that you have ordained for us. That we would be all that you would have us to be. God, that we would be thoroughly furnished unto good works. God, that we would be complete and entire, wanting nothing. God, that this word would breathe inside of us every day. God, in your name we ask it. Lord, today, do as only you can in this place. God, that your spirit would meet with us and pour out in this place. God, that we God, would not have out our umbrellas, God, but that we would get every vessel, God, and, and collect the, the rain of your presence. God, that we would store it up, that we would that we would bask in it. God, that we would reach out and get it. God, that we wouldn't be shy. That we wouldn't hang back. God, but that we would that we would take hold of your presence today, God, and that in this place, God, that you would receive the glory and the honor due to your name, Jesus, and that you would speak to us today and that you would fill us up with your, your very Word of God, that you would plant it inside of us, Lord Jesus, God, that we wouldn't fret about whether or not we understood what you said, God, but that we would receive what you said and let you put it inside of us and trust you to, to bring the increase, God, as only you can do. In your name we pray it. Amen and amen.